I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words Betting Podcast. I'm joined by Jason. Jason, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are you? Yeah, really well, thank you. And joined by Brad as well. Brad, how are you? Good evening, gents. Yeah, so we had the Bay Hill, or the Arnold Palmer Invitational, I should say, last week uh, at Bay Hill. All this talk of elite golfers. We had Ram at the start of the week basically having everyone ripping up their tickets after day one. Uh, then Rory started coming through. Then Scheffler was there, Hatton was there, and mm. uh, Kitty Armour wins. So um, it wasn't a complete surprise. He's been playing well. He's someone that we know can get the job done. He's done it on the DP World Tour. But Brad, were you surprised that you got it done in the heat of that battle? Oh, yeah, I've got to be honest. I was. Um, well, because you see all the, you see all of the names like coming up behind him. You know, like the McElroys, the Hatton, Scheffler. Can't lay. And at one point, I thought it was going to come to a massive playoff. You know, I love it. Uh, and I was kind of hoping for that in a way. And then Kitayama coming out on top. I sort of like, I do love an underdog story. Um, but it wasn't the case. And look, he deserved it. What did he make a triple? Did he make a triple bogey? Or yeah, it was yeah, he did. 12, yeah, nine. didn't he? Yeah. Nine, was it? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was nine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're, you're probably um, right. I was. I, was I, don't know. <laughs> yeah, so I haven't been for a while. Win, win that event off the back of that and like to come back. And that putt, if you've seen the angle, that was a really bloody tough putt under pressure. Yeah. You know, he was aiming at miles left and he, he nearly hold it. And that and marking it at the end just to... Uh, that crap, that, yeah. was, that was, that was oh, my favourite moment in golf. Um, Jason, you were right. It was the triple bogey on nine. So there we go. I can confirm you were there right. You um, Jace, was there anyone that you were particularly disappointed in on Sunday? Well, I thought Kirk Kitayama was a bit obvious, given that he was second at uh, Kenya last year, that this was his time of year. No, um, <laughs> he was brilliant. And I tell you what was, I tell you what was interesting. Had he need, you know, because his tee shot on eighteen was, you know, it wasn't great, but I mean, you know, it's not, it's not an easy track. Obviously, Rory wants an easy track. He was learnt sort of today. <laughs> you know, he doesn't think that bogeys are, are what we want to see. But it's totally shite. Um, yeah. Uh, do you know what? Actually, do you know why I said that? Because I guarantee you they bring in for 2024 payments for birdies and eagles. I guarantee you. Right. I know they do it for charity. I absolutely guarantee you it that, that comes in there. Right. Mm. After all that shit that he just spoke. But anyway. You know, are, are you sure he's not just listening to your rants on the podcast when you hate people winning with a final hole bogey? I, 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 well, <laughs> do you know, and I also don't like people putting out. If they're champion, I think they should have the last putt. So what Kitty Armour does was brilliant. Yeah, but but yeah. Would he, yeah, what would he yeah. have done if he needed birdie on mm. 18? That, yeah. that was the key. But um, but it was a it was a magnificent second. It was absolutely brilliant. It was middle of the green, and you know you thought two putts was great. Um, what did I think about the rest? I was disappointed. I was on Scotty Scheffler. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and to be honest, I would I spent the money for the for the four place or five place whatever it was until he messed up um, he was unlucky on 17 17 hit brilliant putt um, and was unlucky um, and 18 well 18 he was five yards short and Till Hatton was five yards short the other way yeah. Hatton was amazing Hatton was brilliant was he was moaning I mean normally he moans about one hole doesn't he or one shot right? <laughs> or one bunker he was moaning about every single shot oh, what, 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 what crap me up is that 
every it's single time it was it was completely irrelevant what he was saying. He, he like he, he hit a putt and completely missed the spot, yeah. and he was up waving his hand about. I was like, what did you want He's the green to say? I think Sheffer had enough of him by the end of it. Like, yeah. Looking at his face, potentially, <laughs> he definitely yeah. plays up to. Him. <laughs> Eh? Oh, without question now. Yeah. Without question, he's 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 living up to it. But it, you know, it affects his game. But he did show, but you know, the the course there he is again. Bayhill, yeah. uh, you know, he had a chance. Scotty, I mean, the chip on eighteen wasn't great, but we, you know, it's it's you can't judge a man on one chip. Um, mm. I thought he was great again. I thought he looked totally relaxed. I did think he was going to get to nine or ten quite easily. Um, Rory, I thought, I thought that was like. I sort of saw that 18th, like Tiger, where you know it's going in. You just know. Yeah. And I was surprised he missed it, really, because I think he was given a read. Um, but in the end, yeah, you know, kick the armour, given, like what you said, like he came back from a treble bogey. Um, he was he was brilliant. And his interview after, it wasn't like he was puffing and puffing and, and over the moon. It was like, you know, this is what it's I can what do. I do. Fair enough. Yeah. We've it's always said, you know. Me as well. Do you know what we always say? You know, there's a roll of a ball between winning and coming fifth, and it's exactly what happened over the week. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. McElroy, Hatton, Scheffler, Kitty Armour, um, whoever else was involved. The English had a putt that, that almost went in um, to, to, you know, to tie it, didn't he? And it was, you know, roll of a ball. Yeah, I don't want to harbour onto it too long, but I, I just felt like that tournament. It was another classic example of why are we trying to change something that's working like <laughs> kitty armor and an english wouldn't have been in this field next year that's right. uh, which is which well, is weird davis riley yeah they're, they're gonna change it because all of the blowback but the the, the current you know, the current point is that you've got to be a top 30 player in the world and the pj tour member so you can't because because there was a thing about like hatton wouldn't get in and they said no he would have been in the top 30 in the world but i was like no if he doesn't keep his card this year i.e. if he doesn't get in the top 70, not top 125 anymore, he wouldn't be in. So It's, it's shocking. It's, it's absolutely It's just shocking. really strange it, to, to go back on what... Like, their, their, apparently their unique seller point for the PJ Tour was the underdog story and anyone can win and yeah. once you get through the cut line, anything can happen. It's gone. If, you, if, if it carries on the way that it goes on, you, you've got rid of the thing. It's basically a case of... The, the top players have gone, right, well, we didn't take the money from Liv, so now you just give us the money that, that Liv are giving under the same circumstances, yep. I think. Um, exactly. So, there we go. Dress it up dress it up how you want, right? Yeah. It's Liv has absolutely changed changed golf. Yep. And it's an incredible mm-hmm. thing to have happened. And and the DP World Tour, I, I fear, is going to get weaker again because it looks like Rory's solution was to... Well, not Rory's solution, but the one that he's speaking about is that they're going to get Valderrama and they're going to get, you know, uh, the Scottish mm-hmm. Open and all this sort of stuff. And that would just mean that the the 60 players that, you know, generally work hard to get into Wentworth won't be there. So, you know, it's whatever. Twarring. We shall see what... We shall, we shall see what golf brings next year, I guess. But... Um, for now, we've got two events. We've got it under the current structure, and they're here to be enjoyed. So we shall. Uh, DP World Tour is back this week. Magical Kenya Open. Not sure magical is the right word for it, but it is the Magical Kenya Open. Uh, and magical. <laughs> Antoine Rosner, 16 to 1. Robert McIntyre, 22 to 1. Adrian Aus, 25 to 1. Adrian Otegi, 25 to 1. Julian Brunner, Ashwin Wu, 33 to 1. Uh, Jason, I'll come to you first. Uh, on purpose because I know you've got one up here. 
Uh, talk us through Adrian House this week. Uh, yeah, I think I think Anous is. I can't see him being out of the frame. Mm. It's, it's this is. I mean, you can cross out two thirds of this field. Full stop. They can't win. I like this event. I think it's 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 a. Sh- I can't say it's been it's been devalued, but I think it's a great event. When you look back, you know, people like Sevi have won it. Um, Canizares has won it. There's no coincidence. I've picked Spaniards there. Um, <laughs> you know. Um, what, what you do see is that it is, it is shot makers. It's um, you know really good approach players, and if they're not if they're not hitting the greens, they're very good um, scramblers. Um, I, I just think it's a shame. I think I think it's um, yeah, it's, it's a better tournament than it's actually a place. You know, it's actual field has got or it, the field that it has got, yeah. and also that it's mm-hmm. opposite players as well devalues it even more. Um, yeah. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Um, we're running here to get a winner, aren't we? Um, and, and Adrian House to me, um, yeah, absolutely cracking. Um, he, he's your leading person to, to fill. He that is role. indeed. I think. I think you look back at winners around here, particularly. At, you, you can look at uh, Karen as well, Karen as well. But if you look at winners around here, uh, they all have form at places like Crans, Joburg, Valderrama. Um, <laughs> you look back at Sadier, You know, obviously he's got Crans, Valderrama. He's got Belfry and Joburg, mm-hmm. and Rise, Wentworth, Wentworth form, Valderrama, Joburg. You know, we know what he does. Yeah. Uh, Lorenzo Gagli, um, uh, second at Crans, um, ninth at Joe, but etc. 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 Last year, Tristan Lawrence, blah blah blah, Aaron Cockrell. So, even even names that don't do anything turn up at exactly the same places. Um, and here he is. I mean, he hasn't got much at, at Joe Berg, he's got two top 10 finishes and three starts at Crans. He tied with John Rahm at uh, Valderrama. Um, he's been runner up here, um, behind Guido at Karen or Karen however you say it. Um, and he finished tied with Justin Harding. Of course, he went on to win the year later and should have won back-to-back. He sort of don't know what happened to him in the fourth round at the Savannah Classic. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love his correlative form. Um, his best form, I think, puts him... I can't say above Robert McIntyre, but <coughs> McIntyre's been horrendously disappointed, as we know. Um, the fact that he's actually playing in this event, I think... It, it speaks for itself, doesn't it? He, he yeah. for the way that you know, I, I play the role, I guess, of the person that picks on Robert McIntyre out of out of the group, I guess. But the way he was spoken about for the last two, three years, he should be in the players, shouldn't he? Um, well, it's, it's as are. simple yeah. as that, isn't it? I well, mean, exactly. Where Minwoo Lee is playing, is that? Yeah, you, know, you think McIntyre being there with him? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I think, I, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, at his best, obviously, he should be yeah. a league above. But I also think that Anous has got that potential of, of, if you were going to pick 10, if I asked you to pick 10 players that definitely you would bet win only, um, he has to be there in this sort of field. And, you know, he, he, had, his, he had a run last year um, where <coughs> when he won at um, uh, Catalonia, um, six weeks before he'd gone third at Saudi where he led halfway, ninth at Raz, led into Sunday. He finished eighth here. Um, and he lost the three-way player for Pekinwood. So South Africa, Kenya, absolutely blind. It's literally only Joburg, and that you can't you can't have everything. No. It's literally only Joburg form that makes me think he should be 14, 16 to one. Um, yeah. yeah, I I think I think I, I don't mind the fact that he, he missed the cut of Singapore. It, Singapore and India were unusual events for this sort of tour. Now, um, in which case he's got 13th at Dubai Desert Classic and six at Res. Whatever you want, I think I think he's I think he's absolutely stone bonk to be placed. I think I think also with the with the Singapore thing as well, and you know where else they've been, 
that kind of swing. India, etc. They haven't been to these places on tour for a couple of years, so the yeah. the the, the R and the people like that are not used to playing these events. So um, it's not like I've got a bank of form. So yeah, I like it. I don't really have anything uh, negative to say about Adrian House. It I just went a bit deeper just because it, it is what it is. I think it's a little bit volatile here. I agree with everything you said earlier about. Obviously, I was a little bit disappointed in the event, but only because the field doesn't justify. I think the quality of the course and just the the time of year, I like them going to Africa. I like them being part of the, you know, the the affinity with the Sunshine Tour and things like that as well. So, um, I just wish there was a deeper field. But kind of ill, uh, it is what it is in the schedule. Brad, another Spaniard mm-hmm. for you in Jorge Campillo. Yeah, Jorge Campillo. Uh, he's had a pretty poor start to the year, but um, last time out at the Indian Open, um, he finished fourth. Um, he shot rounds of 67 and 69 over the weekend, which really propelled him up the leaderboard. And all this game was firing. I finished, uh, sorry, he was 32nd off the tee, 16th on approach, 18th around the greens, um, and 12th putting. So it's the kind of performance you'd like to think that could kickstart his year. And I just think his game really shapes up well to this course. Like at his best, he's accurate off the tee, um, which you have to be here. Like last week, he ranked ninth in driving accuracy. Um, he's played at Mutiago twice before. Uh, the first time was ages ago, back in 2011. Uh, that was when he was still competing on the Challenge Tour. He finished 31st then. And then last year, he was fourth going into the final round, but shot 72 to fall away. Ended up finishing 13th. Um, he also had a very good performance at Crowns last year, finished fourth. Obviously, with Jason alluded to already, it's another course um, that gets a lot of crossover form from both events. Obviously, it's played at altitude. Um and he's also had two run-up finishes in a third place in Africa, which is which is good to see. He's won twice on the DP World Tour, and I'm hoping that he's he's looking in good shape to get another one this week. So yeah, he's my my bet from up the top. I think 33 to one is the best price you can get on him at the moment. It is, yeah, and that's, that's another continuation of the Spanish form. I don't think this is um, coincidence that there's going to be a few Spaniards mentioned there. I think that there's a perfectly good reason for it. We talked about Valderrama, that you know yeah, they, do have a, they have a record at Crans as well so uh, I do like it and I, and I agree with all the things you said there and, and Jay Shaw and Campio as well yeah I like I like Campio I think he's been on him a few times I mean you can add a, a very weird thing obviously he's a winner at Qatar yeah. he likes Qatar um, Ewan Ferguson who I, again I, I I know there isn't another tournament thing to play but you know he's best he's, he's you know he's better than this lot um, he's totally out of form but obviously he won Qatar um, and he should have won here last year um, when falling away in the final round. But that was inexperience, and he obviously went on to win two. So there are little tie-ins all over the place. You know that's how I like to do it. Um, I don't care if other people like it or not. That's how I do it. <laughs> um, and uh, so there we are. Yeah, Campillo, as, as Brad said, bounced back to form last time. I'm not sure what Indian Open and Singapore Classic form mean at the moment because they play them so unusually, uh, so rarely. Yeah. But yeah, you know, top 10 in Italy last year, top 10 at the DP Worlds. You know, he's a funny bloke, Campio, and you know, he can hit 65 and you expect him to do something. And then um, he's just a better version of Alejandro Canizares, isn't he? Whereas mm-hmm. you think, oh, yeah, I'm on. He's at 64. And then he'll just play like a dog the next day. Um, and then is is Tagi yeah. just a better version of Campio? Does it go like Well, that? there we are. That's mm. exa- <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what? I think you've actually hit the nail on the head. Mm. It's very, very good. Yeah. Very good way of doing it. They're, they're all they're all the same, aren't they? They're all they're all like that. They're all mercurial, you know. Um, you've got it with Pablo as well, haven't you? Yeah. You know, we can keep going up the chain, couldn't we? 
you can, yeah, and it's literally, it's literally because they're Spanish. Yeah. You know, um, and I don't know what it is. It's in their blood. But look, he bounced back to form last week, like Brad said. So what the hell? In a field like this, he's entitled to do something. Yeah, I agree with all that. Uh, first pick for me uh, this week, Marcus Kinholt. I basically decided I was going to be on him before the prices come out. The prices come out, they didn't deter me too much. Uh, I knew he was going to be on the shorter side due to his course form, but you know that, that is what it is. So 40 to one best prize for Marcus Kinholt, eighth at the Dubai Desert Classic. He was eighth again last week on the Nordic Golf League, which you know isn't necessarily a great thing, but it, it's golf while everyone else was taking the week off. I don't hate that. Mm-hmm. You've only got to go back to 2019 for the time when he was 12th on the uh, race to the Dubai rankings. He beat Robert McIntyre, Eddie Pepper, and Matt Wallace at the British Masters. He lost out to Tommy Fleetwood in the playoff at the Ned Bank. This was someone that, I mean, probably, I don't remember it, but there was probably a talk of he's got to be on the Ryder Cup team uh, next time at the time. Um, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but it, it feels like that's the way we would have talked about him. Um, he finished 12th here when he was on the Challenge Tour. He was eighth here last year, and he was actually in second place. And he was the one that was four shots back of Ewan Ferguson. And, and like Ferguson, kind of didn't capitulate, but just couldn't get going. Probably tried to force it too much, knowing he had to chase Ferguson. And you know, whereas Ferguson went away, and he just couldn't steady the ship, and fell away, fell down to eighth place. But to me, it's not a strong event in terms of field depth. I think you can lean on the course form here, especially the people that have played at Challenge Tour and DP World Tour. I think he's a better player than he has been showing. A lot of it's to do, he's obviously had um, a lot of issues, uh, epilepsy and injuries and things like that. So I think he's actually done well to get back to the form that he has done. And and the two top eights in his recent starts, regardless of where they've come, uh, were plenty enough encouragement for me. So I have gone with Marcus Kinholt and Jace, I think you were sort of considering him as well. <laughs> sadly, yeah, sadly I have as well. Yeah, he, made, he certainly made my shortlist on the on the, um, the relative form. And also I quite like the fact that he, he warmed up with two Nordic League yeah. Last year, I know he went. He went tied ninth, then first, then he came here, um, yeah. tied eighth, then went tied third at Qatar, which again, if you said he's, he's might be relevant form, I'm, I'm not sure. So therefore, the eleventh and eighth, okay, there's no one by them, but in a field like this, the man's got huge talent. Um, you know, his he, his ball striking at times is absolutely stunning. Um, I mean, you see it on on tour tips. You know, Tita Green, he was second, found ten shots at the Dubai Desert Classic, third in approaches. Um, all these people, the only problem is on the greens. It just happens, doesn't it? That's why they're not elite. They all hit it from tee to green. But if they hit the fairway, they all hit it in the same place. It's just what they do after that. Um, and that's why the elite is the elite and, and, you know, the rest aren't. But yeah, like you say, six at um, Valderrama last year, eight Dubai. Yeah, you know, what do you want? It's like, it's, it, it calls for itself, really, I think. Yeah, I just, I just, I look at the kind of what are these players like at their best, and that is besties one of the favourites in this field and okay he's not been there for a little while but he's shown signs of it Dubai Desert Classic was a good result um, and to be honest when you look at a player and the only reason they've been struggling is through epilepsy and injuries I think you know I, I'm willing to give them a chance so Marcus Kinholt healthy in decent form played last week I like him at 40-1 to one. Um, Brad what, before you come into your next pick Mm-hmm. Who? What were you looking for? Obviously, we've spoken a lot about correlative form here, and we've spoken about the type of player we like. But what, in terms of stats, did you look at before we come into this week? Uh, driving actually mainly, uh, just showing up on tight tracks. You know, um, playing at altitude. Um, but yeah, it's obviously it's tree lined. Yeah. Uh, the greens are small. Um, so 
you're gonna have to be good on approach have a good short game uh so scrambling's huge so yeah just those sort of things are considered and uh that sort of ties me into uh kawamura yeah um, who is my next pick because uh with driving actually being so important here i feel like it's only right to go with him because he is deadly accurate off the tee um which was demonstrated last time out at the indian open he ranked third for driving accuracy um, he ended up finishing tied 17th, which is actually his best result this year. Uh, I just think that sets him up really nicely going into this event. Um, he was second at the halfway point uh, last year. Uh, after finished opening, he opened rounds 67 and 66, and then he just completely fell away. 70, 72 and 76 over the weekend, uh, ended up finishing tied 46th. So similar to Campilla, like, They've contended at some point during the week and then just fallen away. It's been, it seems to be a trend here. Um, yeah. He's finished uh, tied 21st and 9th in his last two appearances at Kranz. Um, and yeah, I just feel like there's more than enough there to suggest this is a good course fit for Kawamura. Um, he's yet to break through on the DP World Tour. He has threatened on a few occasions. He's had a couple of runner-up finishes. Um, he's got a fantastic short game. Um, if he can improve on his approach play, I think he'll be a danger this week. So, yeah, he's my pick. I think 50 to 1 is the best price you can get for him, eight places. Yeah, absolutely. I th- you know, another one, really, that, as we said, threatened to break through, threatened to be better than he is at the moment, and it just didn't deliver. But I think we're getting back to the stage. I do like it when we kind of switch continents after a couple of weeks' break and you think, you know, what are we going to see different? You know, like a Ewan Ferguson, for example, doesn't play those kind of Singapore events, Indian Open events. He's never done it. All of a sudden, he's come back to somewhere like Africa where he's played well before. Like They could just be a complete lease of life. So, um, Karen Moore is showing that little bit of form at the Indian Open after sort of struggling suggests this could be a good spot for him. And I think, like you said, important to note that people have had fast starts here and fallen back as well. I think it's just mm-hmm. a sign of good golf course, really. I think you'll see that it's not. there's no parallels really to up to the players other than that. Like You will see people start fast at Sawgrass this week and fall away. It's There's enough hazards out there to, to keep you working course, isn't yeah. it um Definitely. so i do yeah i enjoy the golf course and even though i think we got to 16 under last year we won by four i mean i don't know what um ferguson would have got to had he ever played well but you know it, it's interesting to see how the golf course plays this year and maybe being a little bit harsh on the field i think when you actually look at the group of golfers around here if they're all at their best it's not too bad so actually getting more excited about it as we go on but um yeah. I'll probably change my mind on Thursday when my golfers are four over through six. But on that note, Angel Hidalgo for me is the next pick, uh, carrying on with the kind of Spanish theme, really. I've just been really impressed with his progress. Jason, you've kind of fagged him up a couple of times as an improver, sort of stands out in strokes going to his green at times. And he's just playing some really good golf. And you look at his, his standout performance, he's a fourth place finish at Valderrama and a top five at Joburg Open. So two results that we've spoken about should correlate really nicely to this you had the fact that he was eighth at the dividers at classic 28th at raz and 10th at the hero indian open last time out i'm really really impressed with fidalgo i know the price is coming a little bit but i'm absolutely fine with that i think he was too big to start with 17th here last year he was fifth at the halfway stage three rounds in the 60s here last year i think he's a better player since so yeah i think returning to Mathaga golf club is uh, a great spot for fidalgo and uh, I like him at the 55 or 50 to 1 that's still available about him now. On to, let's have a look at who's our next one. Jason, talk to us about Danny Ventonda. Yeah, I mean, I looked down the list and I, I, I thought to myself, well, I'm, I'm parked in the 40 to 1 sort of 
yeah. area. So I need to say something. I did look at Karen Muir. I think he makes obvious obvious sense. Uh, I was looking for Soderbergh to turn up as well because I think he's got apart from Madhouse, yeah, he's, he's, he's perfect, got, isn't he? Kranz. He's got he's got the um, he's got the best correlative form in the field. <laughs> well, if if he'd been in the field, hmm. um, but he is so who cares? Um, <laughs> also looked at John Wenko, who I put up um, in India yeah. um, and came from nowhere to finish seventeenth. He's definitely one to watch for this year. Um, I think he could be could be all right. I think he needs a lot more experience, but. Um, that the obvious French name there, the Jiang Wen Ko. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he's worth. But in the end, in the end, um, unfortunately, I did uh, Danny Von Tonda. He's the one that caught my eye when I was writing out the Joburg um, form, if you like. Um, and I've lost my bit of paper, so just bear me a second. Um, always, always bear with you, mate. Yeah, Van, Van Tonda obviously <coughs> won a heap of them a few years ago. Um, yeah, cut long story short, ninth and tenth round here last year after the first and second round before falling away. Look, do we expect it from Van Tonda? Yeah, possibly. Um, however, he did win this at Karen in 2021. I know they were weird two years, but you can't, you know, you can't beat a, a win, can you? Whatever it is. Nope. Led the driving accuracy at Joburg uh, last year. Um, was top ten for driving accuracy at Mallorca, top fifteen in Thailand, Abu Dhabi, and Portugal which are all, you know, obviously decent enough events. Um, on the pick of his form, I think he contends. He obviously loves coming to this part of town, Kenya, and then and then obviously the next few weeks at South Africa. Um, uh, Karen form is much better than, than form here. However, he's got the 67 and 66 in 2017, 100 years ago. Um, he's got 68 and 69 last year, like I said. He was 10th at the, uh, the halfway stage. And I just thought I wanted a, a three-figure price. I couldn't get it with Co. Um, so I've ended up with Van Tonda. Um, I, if he starts well, I think he'll be there. Um, to be honest, I don't expect him to win. But at three figures, I can get a price top 10, top 20. So he's the, my last one. The best thing I could say about it, Jace, was that I thought he was shorter than the two people that were bringing up. And he's actually longer than both of them. So, um, yeah, I like Danny Van Tonda. I think, that, I think when we're talking about people that are going to benefit from the switching continent and, and the break from being in Asia is Danny Van Tonder, right? Who's going to be better than just coming back to South Africa or Kenya or whatever. So up there, kind of Oliver Beckers and people like that. So yeah, it's it's a three-figure price. About a golfer that at his best is better than he's showing. And at some point, they turn like, around and form. Do you like the... Um, there's a fantastic figure here. Where are we? I'm talking <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Minus 13 shots putting at the South African Open. After oh, yeah. the Green of fifth, that's, perfect. That's just bang on for this. That's, that's a Miliano <laughs> Grillo, isn't it? Players, shouldn't we? Yeah. That's uh, that is Grillo, uh, boy. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like Grillo, to. Yeah. I looked at. I was looking for kind of other South African players. I looked at Brandon Stone. I don't really know whether this is his type of trap, but sometimes his talent just wins out. Uh, he's been playing a bit better in in South Africa, but in the end, I just went back to Alexander Knapp again, who I've been kind of talking about for a few podcast now and have backed and he's not letting me down really you know he's 34 third and sixth the last three starts ball striking is great the only person ahead of him according to tour tips over the last three months in ball striking is marcel seam his countryman that's come from being the leader in total driving and 36th in greens regulation which perfect combination really you look at his south africa form obviously we're not in south africa but close enough by first third and fourth in the die data pro-am uh, he was finished tied eight for this in Karen as well. So for me, Alexander Knapp, the way he's playing, 80 to 1, 
Uh, I think he's absolutely perfect. I don't. Obviously, there's the worry that once you've had a week's break after a good three-run stretch, you kind of lose it. But I'm willing to find out at that price. If he was 40 to one, you know, I've, I could easily skip over him. But at the 80s, I will take a chance on him carrying on the four. So, like Alexander Knapp, and then Brad, you've got one more in his price range for us. Yep, I'm going for Simon Forstrom, Jason's favourite player. Uh, this was uh, sort of the event I had in mind for Forstrom when putting him up as one of my players to watch this year. Uh, it just so happens he's rounded into some decent form. Um, he finished tied eighth last time out that he were open. Um, and similar to Campillo, his game was just solid all round. He gained strokes across the board, 15th off the tee, 14th on approach, 20th around the green and 20th putting. Um, it's the best he's hit his irons all year, gaining over five strokes. Um, and unlike other courses he'll play this year on the DP World Tour, he, he actually has some familiarity with the Tiger Country Club. Uh, he's played this course a couple of times on the um, Challenge Tour, uh, missing the cut on his first try. Then the following year, he was fourth going into the final round, shot 74 <coughs> to fall away to 25th. Here we go again. That's the trends <laughs> of my selections. Um, so, yeah, they've all, all of my selections, they've all sort of contended here going into the weekend. Uh, so you like to think they'll um, learn from their experiences. That's the hope anyway. Um, but yeah, either way, I think Forstrom's a uh, really good value this week. He's, the price has come in a little bit. I think it was opened at hundreds, 110s. Um, but I do think he's good value, uh, especially coming off that result in India. I was very impressed the way he sort of come through um, the Q score. Um, yeah, I'm excited to chance him this week. It's interesting, the, the price reactions to Forstrom, because when he shot that 65 uh, at single four to open, and he was one of the only people that could really look any good on that first day. Then all of a sudden, he kind of fell away. I thought, oh, he was quite a big price going into Thailand, considering what he'd done to start. He's then 25th going into the halfway stage there, falls away again. And then he comes to, to the Indian Open and kind of gets better as the week goes on. And, and all of a sudden, he comes right in. So there's obviously a certain amount of belief in Simon Forstrom as a talent. There is. Uh, and like you said, probably one of the better golf courses he's played this year for him. You know, going into that final round, fourth place, he was inside the top three before that earlier in the week as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like everything about Simon Forsham, I thought I thought the price was a little bit shorter than I was expecting, but only yeah. I think that's more in reflection of maybe being overpriced, uh, kind of the weeks before more than anything. So, um, yeah, nothing really negative to say on that. Any other considerations for you, Brad? Uh, no, I, I feel like the Japanese players um, were worth considering this week. I didn't take, obviously I took Kawamura, but the, the, the guys that are a bit unfamiliar, sort of Hoshino and um, Haisatsune, um, so they, they're used to these type of courses. Obviously, they play a lot of tree-line tracks in Japan, uh, so they might feel a bit comfortable um, on this type of course, I feel. So that was the sort of something I sort of considered, but I didn't really... Uh, take advantage of it I've just uh, stuck with a bit more experience instead of the course uh, but yeah so that's something else that I sort of thought about but didn't, didn't yeah, really capitalize I'm, I'm glad you didn't say Aguri Iwasaki then because I put him in the kind of miscut misery uh, accumulator oh, so, which by the way that, that came in uh, we did we had we, we put it in and uh, I waited all day watched data golf projections for the cut line all week um, all two days, and then it kept flittering between level and even. It looked like Jason Bowman was going to ruin my life. Uh, on Chris Nido, we, wasn't it? Yeah, Chris Nido was there as well, who I've, I've never heard of. And um, you know, I was, I was swearing at Chris Nido that the line kept moving to him, and then all of a sudden, he they both missed the cut. Jeff Overton withdrew after 22 holes, 
Uh, and I was like, well, you know, that's kind of half what I expected to be honest and part of the reason he was on there. And they settled it as a loser because he'd withdrawn. Uh, so a, a very, ang- a very <laughs> angry live chat managed to, uh, to sort that one out. But um, actually, I was quite measured. But yeah, that happened. And then I tried to look for the same sort of thing this week. And there are no sort of bottom feeder players in the betting this time around. So um, a little bit harder this week. You've actually got to bet on some good golfers to miss the cut. So it's, it's all of a sudden actually going to take some working out rather than actually. We'll keep our eye out though because we in will. future weeks they might slip up and uh, yeah, there might be some better opportunities. The one, the one person I will say that I've targeted specifically for this at a bigger price, Andrew Johnston was six to four to miss the cut, and he's just had yeah. an operation, and I don't suppose he's played much golf since the operation. He keeps pulling out, doesn't he? At events he does. As well. so, I wouldn't even be surprised if he shows. He, he he's probably already he's probably already pulled out and just be voiding the bet there's, and there's, ruin it. I think he's got other things in. Yeah. Places needed rather than uh, worrying about. Making that sounds silly. Rather than golf, I think he's, he's media and he's on the. He's, that's what he, he is. is now, isn't it? He is. He's, he's one of Which our Which is a testers, shame, really, because absolutely fantastic golfer. He really is, yeah. But yeah, the, the three people, if anyone else is interested, is that I've targeted this is Andrew Johnson, Aguri Wasaki, and Tom Lewis in the miscut misery uh, this week. So, what does that come to? What does that come to? Oh, I don't know, because I put it in a six-fold with uh, three others from players, which I'll tell us about uh, later on. I was a bit, I've bit Tom Lewis, uh playing quite a lot with Charlie Hole. He has. He's been, playing all, he's been playing all week with Charlie Hole, which Walton makes me think Heath, he's actually probably playing quite well or something. But I'm just hoping that when you look at his course form, yeah. um, he, he's horrendous. And when you look at his curry form, he's horrendous. So um, you just hope for the best. But yeah, I, I can't... I, I don't know what that was, but um, it's... About 100 to 1 for the sixth file. When you you find out who I'm back into Mr. Cutting the players, you'll probably see why. Um, <laughs> which will take us nicely into the Players' Championship, uh, where Rory McIlroy is the 9 to 1 favourite. John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler are 10 to 1. Uh, that's going to get a boring line. I might have to just pre record that from now on and, and not have to say that because that's going to be the prices they are going forward. Patrick Cantley, 16 to 1. Justin Thomas, 20 to 1. Max Homer, 22 to 1. I'll stop it there. I love Patrick Cantley. I could not like Patrick Cantley any more for this event. Uh, I was quite sweet on him last week. So I just thought he was going to... We did the DraftKings show and I said that I thought he was going to kind of put this he can't play in Florida thing to bed. He's better in California. So I don't think anyone's actually said he can't play in Florida. He's obviously played well at the Valspar. But there was kind of this impression that he only played well at Riviera because it was California. And I sort of thought, well, he's just a really good golfer. Um and yes, his Bermuda putting isn't always great, but at the end of the day, essentially, according to the stats, he's, or according to the rankings, he's the fourth best player in the world. So you would expect him to overcome that. So third and fourth, the last couple of weeks, uh, absolutely nothing to argue with that. And then you look at his course form, and people will look at rightly look at the fact that he's missed uh, what's it the last couple of cuts here, but. To me, just the way he played in those first two starts here, he actually led after round one, uh, the first was it the first or second time he was here, Brad, um, and then yep. you know just just fell away to twenty second and twenty third place finishes. But overall, Cantley's just been a really really good golfer for a long time now. Uh, this is the type of thing that he can win, and yeah, past two starts, first and third in strokes gained, tee to green, top sixteen and approach both times. He's had a second and two thirds at the Heritage. If we needed any more confirmation of kind of peak dive suitability and things like that, so to me, you know, he started last week in fifth, had a bad Sasson and kind of rallied back, had a chance to win in the end, 
uh, was never really in contention, so it's not going to take it out of him. And yeah, I just think those those kind of opening weekends that he's had here, 2017, he was fifth after 36 holes in his debut, went on to shoot 72-77, came back a year later, led after round one, was still second place going into the weekend, just had a poor weekend. Brad, I don't know if there's anything it's, to suggest that he's not, not going to have those bad weekends, but why would no. he? No, 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 not at all. What I was going to say was, I, just, I can't really agree anymore with you there. He's like, he was such an easy choice for me from up the top. Like, he's just a model of consistency once he gets in his flow, isn't he? Uh, he just looks so determined as well at the moment, even if you see him like, on social media as well. Like, he's, he looks like he's proper up for it this week. And he's elite when it comes to par four scoring, excellent scrambler. That's both like very important this week. I think he's improving on Bermuda grass, as you alluded to. It's not his best surface, but it's it's not the be-all end-all. Um, and he, as you said, like he hasn't got the best of records here, but he does look a brilliant fit on paper. Like, Cantlay is a very practical, strategic player, so you'd feel like this is the type of course that he would like to work out down the line. Um, I don't think like um, course form is everything here. Like it's important, obviously. It's nice to have course form, but I don't think it's the be-all end-all. Um, I think just having experience playing the course, like a lot can go your way and a lot can go wrong on this on like Pete Dye course. You know, it's the way it goes. Um, so I think he's definitely the best pick from up the top. Yeah, it was a very easy choice for me. So yeah, couldn't get put off of him. Everything you read is you have to have played here five times or thereabouts before you win. I think it was like 11 of the last 12. I've played it five times. 10 of the oh, last really? 12, I didn't see that trend. That's and, brilliant. <laughs> and he's played it five times. And yeah, like the miscut, I mean, like last year's miscut, and it's quite funny, people say like, I think it was Brian Kershaw on Twitter basically said that if you've if you've got a golfer that missed the cut last year and you want to back them, just say last year didn't matter. And if you uh, if they did make the cut, just say that they battled really hard. And he's right. It is exactly <laughs> what you say. I was just about to say it myself. Um, but it is. I mean, some of the miscuts, I just don't really mind. It is a volatile golf course. And like you say, course fit-wise, there's not really any reason why he wouldn't play well here. Um, he's now played well in Florida. He doesn't play Florida normally when he comes into this. So the fact that he's gone and played Bermuda last week. Yeah, he said that was down to planning reasons. I saw him replying, like scheduling reasons, sorry. Yeah. I saw him replying um, to someone about that on Instagram. Yeah, he won't, won't get those choices anymore because he has to play every No, exactly. Um, so there we go. I, I think Patrick Cantley, I mean, Jason, you've been very high on Patrick Cantley for a long time. So... Um, you know, as a, as a podcast now, we're all coming around to Patrick Cantley. I'm just a little bit later to the party than everybody else. I even I think I put him up at the tournament champions because I thought it was a big year for him, and he didn't do it. But just very very sweet. I think I can just imagine Patrick Cantley winning the Players Championship, and that's what's going to happen this week. Jason, I've got Victor Hovland here written for you with the message of up yours haters. Yeah, nobody <laughs> nobody likes, <laughs> and it's understandable. Nobody likes him this week because of his short game, hmm. and and you know I don't really care. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I watched him, uh, well, we've all seen him because he's always up there, isn't he? Mm. Right. I, I'm just taken. I'm very taken with his ball striking for obvious reasons. Um, it's about time he stepped up in the big time. Um, I think he will do something like Cam Smith. I, not, he's not obviously not got the short game, but I think he'll do something like win this and then go on to contend or win. I'll a major. About that. Yeah, a major. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. A major. Um, I don't mind what's considered bad putters in this event. Keegan Bradley's obviously got seventh and fifth here. Um, the mighty Russell Knox. Um, yep. He's got two lifetime top 20s and a six last year. And the, uh, Russell Knox got six last year. Do you know what I mean? Hoffman's <laughs> on a different planet. 
Yeah, it rewards ball strikers. Um, <coughs> we know his Tita Green games absolutely fantastic. He averages fifth for driving since Pebble Beach, twenty fifth for ball striking the last three months. Um, look, he's he's completely ruining it by by his scrambling, putting, whatever way, anything with the shop glove in his hand. <laughs> but should he find the fairway like he did at uh, Mayakoba twice, where I think it was important. I think we all remember we were on Aaron Wise, weren't we, on his first We were, yes. His first one. And, and he was an inch from going off the fairway. And I thought, as, as bizarrely as it was, that keeps coming in my head. Hmm. The fact that he found the fairway and the fact that he did what he did and birdied that hole, I know it's a completely different level, but he's, you know, he's stepping up all the time. Um, so for me, he will find fairway and fairway and fairway. He will find green. Um, the fact that he ranked about 786 at Bay Hill last week, and was only beaten four shots by the winner, and therefore two shots by Scheffler, three shots by McElroy, and whoever it was. Yeah, I haven't got leaderboard up there. Um, his game's absolutely... But he is a chip away from you know improving every round by one shot, and that puts him absolutely bang there. So I'm going to take the chance, because I do think there's another level to him. Um, like we say, he won at Mayakoba, finding the fairways a big advantage. At the Hero World, which is not obviously you know the most desired event in terms of you know giving their role although they did look like they were really trying last time yeah. um you know he beat well he beat top class field um bay hill he was runner-up in 2022 he's got a top 10 here he's got five, uh, top five finishes at riviera um sedgefield links in thanks to a couple of people i read last year's preview sedgefield links in with some winners here um i think at least five or six winners here um and he's got fourth place there 11th of river highlands for pete Diaform. Top 30 at the USPGA at Kiowa Island. Um, yeah, and he was ninth last year, leading the field in Tita Green. Um, he lost six shots of the 14 he made, again, with his short game. But I'm telling you, he is one chip short of um, of, of doing this. And um, I'm going to do it. Uh, given that Max Homer, I love Max Homer, as you know. Yeah. yeah. But given he's shorter, I, I, think, I think that Hovland can hit that sort of form at some point. And I'm going to take the chances this week. Third in the uh, Valspar Championship as well, a bit more of a Florida yeah, sorry, form Florida. for you yeah, for, yeah. for Hovland as well. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, definitely the chipping is a worry, of course. Um, you know, we don't need to cover old ground, but I actually think maybe you know, as me and Matt were speaking about this the other day, because he had a fairly sizable wager on Victor Hovland this past weekend. It was at par yeah. five. He had 176 yards and went into the water. Um, it happens. It happens, <laughs> but is it is it caddy related or is it him? Oh, that was such a bad shot. I just, I, I think that was him. Honestly, I, I, I also, I also think because a lot of people have been, or a couple of people have been calling him for his sort of caddy change. I think he's the type of person that it doesn't matter who he has as a caddy, you probably just ignore him anyway. Yeah. I think he's a bit I of a free so. spirit. Um, yeah. and I think if you try and rein him in, that would be a negative. Oh. So, yeah. yeah, he frustrated the hell out of me last week. I'm obviously got in a really good position, one shot off the lead, and he started really poorly and got himself back in the back in the mix, and that was mainly. Because Beef started missing his parts, yeah. you know, suddenly the league gets to um, eight under and he's one shot back. And then you just said that that shot on the par five was inexcusable, you know, <laughs> just on the green, you know, give yourself, make make a birdie at the least. And yeah, he sticks it in the water. I think he did go for it, you know, I think he wanted to try and eagle it. Um, it's the kind of player he is. Uh, but then he bogeyed the last as well to just to, to drop out yeah, the place. Just, just, just to add insult to injury. 
Oh, I was like, it, mate, I'm gonna need a break from Victor for a while. The thing I would say though is, is what Jason sort of said there. That it is one shot that can happen to anyone, and we've just talked about at the start of the show all the people that didn't get there. Like Rory had a couple of bogeys towards the end. Hatton had a couple of bogeys towards the end. Scheffler yeah. bogeyed the last. Like it, they're all they all fell away. And as much as Rory says it's bad that they all fell away and that bogeys disappoint everybody, it's part of the game and it has to happen. So um, it would be no surprise to me if, if this was a coming-of-age victory for Hovland. It would be a coming-of-age victory because I do think... I don't put too much stuff in the fact that he's kind of won in Mexico and Puerto Rico, whatever it was, and people kind of want him to win in mainland America. I don't really care about that. But it's more another step up in terms of quality, isn't it? And, you know... He had the chance that St Andrews sort of struggled a little bit, but he's still, you know, young, 25 years old. He's got, you know, 20 years of top-level golf in front of him. It's not like he's going to, you know, it's not like he's in the twilight of his career and desperate for a win. He's just got to uh, figure it out, and I'm sure he will. Mm-hmm. I think behind Patrick Cantley, just uh, my favourite bit, and Brad, I'm, I'm hoping you're going to back me up here, uh, <laughs> Jason Day, four straight top tens uh, now after a top ten at Bay Hill last week. Be back-to-back results in Florida if he does come back and play well here. Uh, he'll be trying to win this title for a second time because he won in 2016. Only what Rahm, Homer, Scheffler are playing better than him at the moment uh, in terms of current form. He's fourth in the field over the past eight weeks on tour tips. 11 starts at Sawgrass. He's already got a win and three top eights here which is a really incredible consistency considering the volatility of this golf course. Tee to green's been solid. His approach numbers have not been outstanding during this run, Brad, is one not thing I would as, say. Not been as good, no. no. It's like early on, but they've been, it's been, uh, his approach game has been fading a bit. But is that is that a result of just your all-round game coming into I shape? I think you've got to look at the all-round game. I mean, if he's, if he's losing on approach, he's gaining elsewhere. You know, he's still... That's he's making up for it in other areas. Do you know what I mean? And he's so, inside the top four, top fifty, all importantly now, which is he something is. he's going to have to stay in. Yeah, and he's playing like a top ten player in the world at the moment. Um, it's yeah, what he's doing is very eye catching. I only think the only concern I have because I've been on him two or three times this year, and if I find a little frustrating is that he hasn't ever looked like winning. No, he um, hasn't at all. Despite is, getting that, himself oh. in good positions to pounce, you know that he still he, he doesn't find that next gear. Uh, which is a little bit concerning. I'd like to have probably seen him contend or at least try and get closer to the leaders. That's the only thing that bothers me slightly. Uh, so it's a weird to, one because he's, he's not shown... It's a negative that he's not shown the the kind of oomph to get in and, and take a tournament, right, and win it. But by the same token, I've never felt like he's been in prime position and chucked it away either. It's almost no. like he's just not quite getting there. It's and he, just still. It's just, just, just looking at it. So he missed he missed the first cut of the season. Then he's gone 8th, 11th, 21st, 16th, one missed cut, and then 18th, 7th, 5th, 9th, 10th. It's, it's utterly ridiculous. He started the season uh, 162nd in the world. He was 175th after he missed cut um, at the Fortinet, and he's now 47th. So uh, it's, it's great to see Jason Day back playing his best golf his best is good enough to win anywhere it's definitely good enough to win at the players championship uh, he's already done it before in the task so yes yeah. the number's short and you know 28 to 1 is kind of just you've just got to accept it if you want to back him but I don't see any reason not to no it's definitely not the cause to jump off him 
this week, so got to stick with them. Completely agree. Um, let's go into. I've got a couple of people here again uh, before we come on to you, Jason. So for me, I've gone with Keegan Bradley, who you've already mentioned. And I think it's a little bit of a bounce back spot for Shane Lowry as well. So I'll, I'll give a little bit of oomph on both of those. So Keegan Bradley, I just think is a different player. I, th- I think we were talking about him when we were looking through tour tips um, and kind of best player performances, I think we were, we were looking at. And it was, I was surprised to see that Keegan Bradley had basically top 10 in like 33% of his events last season. And then you look at what he's doing this year. It's just, you know, brilliant to see again. Won the Zozo Championship. If you like Keegan Bradley, if you don't, then it's probably not brilliant to see, but I like him. So he won the Zozo Championship. And then since then, second at Farmers, 20th at the Waste Management, 10th again at Bay Hill last week. He spoke about the fact that the best part about the Florida Swing is having his family around him. He's got four straight top 30 finishes here, fifth and seventh, including those, as, as Jason said earlier. I think he had a chance to win last year as well. So for me, Keegan Bradley, just the way he's playing, hitting the ball really, really well. I think when you talk about people that have got that extra gear, he's won a major, he's won a WGC. So absolutely think that Keegan Bradley is the one. Last week, there was kind of a lot of talk about Shane Lowry overcoming the course form at Bay Hill. And he did, I think, to a certain extent. Obviously, he had that blow-up round uh, on Saturday where he, he did look poor, uh, which is strange considering like it was the windy conditions and that's why people would typically play Shane Lowry. But to me, I just thought looking at the positives rather than that one bad negative was the fact that he had three decent enough rounds. He didn't break 70 again, which is you know going to be a curse for him at Bay Hill, but 72, 70, 71 on the course you don't like. 20th after two rounds is uh, absolutely fine for me with Shane Lowry. So just looking at it, 8th, 13th and 16th here in the past. He's been 5th at the Honda Classic recently, 14th for Riviera. I think the 5th at the Honda and the 14th for Riviera are far more um, indicative of his form as opposed to what happened last week. When he was 16th here, he was 2nd at the halfway stage. He's also 3rd uh, after round 1 here 2 years ago. Clearly loves this type of test. He's been 3rd at the RBC Heritage. He's been 4th at the PGA, which is the Kiowa Island. Both peak die designs. Did hear a couple of murmurs that he's kind of a bit knackered and he's had the, the death in the family recently and things like that. But I just think, man, for the big moment, you look at the kind of likes of Day and Keimer and people like that that have kind of won big events here and been major champions. He fits in that. Uh, so I really, really like Shane Larry again. Mm. Jason, Sam Burns. I've seen a couple of, a couple of tweets about him this week about I feel like he's the, uh, who was it last week? Matt Ziyama of, of the price getting too big. Can yeah. he win argument, I guess? Well, that's that's basically it. And Matt Ziyama, in fact, was the other one. I mean, mm. he's just getting, I mean, he's just getting to a price where, where I, I may have to just back him every it, week. Because... He's the first one I've backed to miss the cut, by the way. Right, that's fine. No, but just because just because just because he's injured, don't, I think. Don't, don't justify it. It's fine. It's your money, mate. Right. <laughs> um, when you were talking about the likes of Jason Day, etc., um, etc., et and I look at the middle part where you've got Sung Im, Fitzpatrick. I'm doing a. Uh, I'm sure you both are as well. I'm doing a major Yankee sort of article next week, yeah. and they're the ones that I want to look at for for majors. Um, you know, uh, so I've left them out this week. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and you know, I'd love to see Ricky Fowler win, but again. I think it, is he shown enough at fifties? You look at the best, and 
just Decky is, is is eighty to one is just ridiculous. You don't need a lot on at eighty. It probably, as you say, it probably missed the cut. Doesn't matter. Anyway, Sam Burns probably missed the cut as well. I suppose back him as well. <laughs> no, um, no, no, no. Again, it's a price thing. But look, he's he's uh, he's got the two missed cuts. We know that it's going to be unusual if he does anything here. Um, again, because his price gets bigger, there are bigger top tens and there are bigger top twenties. Um, but I think um, <coughs> it's it's worth taking the chance with. Obviously, he's won Valspar back-to-back. You talk about Keegan Bradley. He outfought Keegan Bradley that time. We were on Sam Burns, yeah. I think, in his brook. Um, Bradley's got two top tens here as well. Um, when he won before that... Uh, sorry, before that, Paul Casey won at Valspar, and he's been third and fifth here. Um, again, this is my convoluted way, but it's made to profit every year, so who cares, right? Uh, Casey was third and fifth at Tallgrass. He beat Coke Craig, who was top ten here in 21. Louis Oosthausen has got a runner-up here. And it goes back and back. So, so Valspar, not only being uh, Florida, seems to have some sort of influence here. Um, he's never really taken to Bay Hill. Um, uh, so I'm not really bothered about really what happened last year. I think he's got a ninth out of five or six outings. Um, but he was 26th here last year on his second ever outing. He led halfway after 68-69. His putt was his best club at the time. Um, look, I'm hoping that coming back here... Um, he's got ambition, Burns. He was spoken about as a major winner last year, wasn't he? Yeah. I remember everybody, you know, including Ben, putting him up at sort of 50, 66 to 1 for majors. One, probably about two majors, I think, some people putting him up for. Yeah. Um, I know he's messing around with drivers at the moment. Um, I saw that on the PGA Tour. He's got a smaller head for driver or whatever. He didn't like what happened at Riviera, um, so he pulled one out last year. And he'll <laughs> probably set fire to that one as well, I would imagine. Um, it is a price thing. Um, you know, he's a long-term, as I've written on the on the article, he's a long-term member of the top 20 for all-round driving. He's going to figure it out at some point. Um, and at the price, I'm taking the chance. He's not confident, but I just think 70 to 1, 75 to 1, 80 to 1 if you can get it with some made-up company uh, bag in the market. Um, that's fine as well. So, yeah, you know, it was a price thing, mate. Done. Yeah, no, I get it. I, th- I think that it's one of those ones... It depends how you, it all depends on how you feel about Sam Burns, right? If if you believe that he is what everyone was saying he could be last year, then you should be backing him. If you think that last year was an anomaly, anomaly, and he's out of form and it's going to be like that for a while, then you don't. I think it's it's quite clear cut. To be honest, he's in Florida. He's played well here last year. Led after halfway. Don't think the moment's going to be too big for him. So I I'm absolutely fine with Sam Burns. I haven't gone there myself, but. I think it's absolutely fine. Uh, the other one, Jason, kind of an improver and someone that we're looking to be winning these kind of tournaments, so he's the guy. Yeah, I think he's a better rated to one shot than Burns. Um, Burns is just, just because he's in the form, whereas Burns No, isn't. I think the Gala is, is nowhere near uh, the finished article at mm. all. I, I, he's got so much to come. Um, he's still a bit naive. I mean, he's, when he won that um, QB shootout with Tom Hoagie, yeah. Some of his play was just absolutely top. I know it was an easier track, but some of his play was top grade. He should have won the Fortinet in 2021. He should have won the Phoenix Open. Um, he's top grade. He's absolutely top. He just needs a bit of game plan, a bit of management. Um, his Tita Green game is, is, I think, is fantastic. Um, at the sort of the end of season FedEx events, he went 13, 15, 28 to show that he belongs. Um, he's made 11 from 12 cuts so far uh, over the last dozen events. Sixth place at the Fortinet back there. 
fifth and second at the Zozo and RSM, fourth at Torrey, sixth at Riviera, fourteenth at Bay Hill. You know, they they put him there. He's on second level, but he's got improvement that some of the others definitely don't have. Um, he's got the seventh at Valspar. Um, he's top thirty for green uh, greens and regulation over the last three months. He's top ten for par fours over the same period. Um, and he had top five listings for his irons and Tita green at uh, the Farmers and the Genesis. So, um, as I've written, with the likes of Homer established away from the bunch, we're looking for the next start of shine. He does remind me of a Ricky Fowler type thing in the early days. Yeah. He's sort of flamboyant, uh, just attack every single pin, um, really confident with his uh, his putter. Yeah, I, I, the Gala's going places. And I, I think we said at the beginning of the year, I think, Brad, you put him up as one of the ones to watch at the beginning of the year. I mm-hmm. didn't because I tend to go left field on those, but he would have been. If someone said, now he colours to the master, Gala would have been the one to make you a profit in 2023. Yeah. And this is a bad time that he, I'm not saying he will do it here, but if he doesn't do it here, he'll be winning. Oh, if, it isn't, if it isn't here, it'll be Valsper next, next week. Yeah, yeah, very possibly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I mean, seventh there before, he was second, like you say, at the Travellers, which is a Peter Dye design. Did miss the cut here last year, but. You know, that's, that's understandable in your debut. Yeah, okay. I, I need to go back and listen because I, I think probably both of you actually saw the quote I put about Roy McIlroy from the full swing thing earlier and said about yeah. how he compared the FedEx to majors. One of the other weird, and I need to make sure because I can't 100% remember if they did say this or not. They were basically talking about the players that were coming up from the Corman Ferry and their expectations. And I'm pretty sure one of the talking heads said, we didn't expect much from Sahith the gala, whereas Mito Pereira had a lot of pressure on him. And I was like, I don't remember like that at all. Like Sahith the gala won the Haskins Award, the Ben Hogan Award, and the Jack Nicklaus yeah, Award right. in 2020. amateurs, and <laughs> one of the best players ever collegiately, and just came out like an absolute train. So I don't, I don't remember it like that at all. So I need no, to go back and just make sure that's how it was said. Uh, and if it was, then I'm going to tweet about that one as well. Um, just you know, just to cheer everybody up. But it just made me, it just, there's been a couple of, well, I watched it all the way through, didn't really tweet about it all the way along, and then I'm slowly going back just to make sure the things that raised my ears were said so that I can then moan about it. That's just how I operate. But the, he is unbelievable, this bloke. Like, so good. And I know, he, I think it's because he's a slight bit older than some of the people that have come out on tour recently, like he's 25 as opposed to 21, 22 year olds. But he's just, like, we've already said, he's, he's had four different chances of winning. And. Mm. One of them, I don't think, like, you look at Phoenix, it certainly wasn't his fault. It was just a bad break on that 17th yeah. hole. Ruined, yeah. ruined his, you know, day. Um, it is what it is. It's out of his control. So, to me, uh, yeah, I would like Figala. Don't know really why I didn't actually go with him myself. Um, I think I just peppered that kind of top to mid-range and, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it is what it is. You can't have them all, can you? But um, definitely agree with the line of thinking on him. Me too. Brad, I'll let you go with your pick that you are going with your outsider, and then I'll say who I was going to go with and place for until yeah. the uh, odds come in. Okie dokie. So I've gone for Webb Simpson as my long shot. So 2022 was a bit of a year to forget for him. Like He failed to register a single top 10 finish. Um, he did have his injury problems. He suffered from a bulging disc in his neck. Kept him out of action for a while. Uh, this, of course, disrupted his season. I think he had his worst year on tour to date. Um, he's had a slow start to the year, um, but he's made his last three cuts and he looks to be hitting the ball a hell of a lot better. Uh, last time out at Bay Hill, he, he closed with a round of 66, finished tied 24th. Um, he struggled off the tee all week, but that did improve by the final round. 
Um, his irons in particular were like brilliant. He ranked sixth on approach. And that final round, uh, it might just be a sign that he isn't too far away from a big performance. If it was going to come anywhere, it would be on a course such as TPC Sawgrass, where he's obviously won before. And uh, what he lacks in distance, he can make up elsewhere on this course. And I just feel like he's got to be worth chancing as a long shot this week. He, so when you look at his current form, it's basically he has one disaster round that's that's kind of ruining him. So at the Phoenix, he was 18th after round one, um, 54th after round two, and then climbed back up at 68 and then mm-hmm. fell away again. Uh, you look at the, the 74th the Honda Classic, he shot a 66 on Saturday, put himself into the kind of top 30 or around the top 30, and then had a 77 on Sunday to kind of ruin what he did. Yeah. And then threatened to do sort of a similar thing last week where... Um, you know, he'd made the cut and then looked like he was going to completely undo all of his good work uh, with a 76 on Saturday. And then shot that 66, he made six birdies in a row. When you listen, so we had Paul Tesori on here in the early days of the podcast. And you listen to Paul Tesori talk about that week at Sawgrass. He was in horrendous form for, I think, probably a similar year to what he had last year, the year before. It wasn't injury-related, he was just in bad form. Putter mm-hmm. was broken. Um, and, they, and he talks about how coming back here and winning this was so special, sort of life-changing, etc., etc. There's no reason why that can't happen again off the back of a, a really good iron week. And when you look at it as well, he's probably only going to have to hit, like, forced to hit probably six drivers. Exactly. And that, that, that's the difference. And that's why you get the people that contend. I might as well go into the one I was going to do. I was going to do Matt Kuchar. Uh, just mm. because I think Matt Kuchar is what Webb Simpson offers, but he's the consistency there. He's actually been in brilliant form this season um, for Matt Kuchar at this stage of his career. So that was where I was going to go. But he's come right into like 100 to 1 now. And probably rightly so. I think he was overpriced at the start. He was about 200 to 1. Yeah. Um, but now I don't feel so kind of obliged to back him. He's just. I think they're both sort of players that I don't suppose they're too dissimilar in ages. Types, you know, yeah. the experience. They, they both won here. They were both, I mean, obviously, Webb's got the US Open, but they were both kind of, I don't know, they were career altering <laughs> wins, but probably for Kucha, though, it was. Um, sort of changed how we viewed him. And it was only in addition to a great start to his career for Webb Simpson as well. So, yeah, I, I think they're absolutely fine. I think both players are fine. If you went with Kucha still at 100 to 1, I wouldn't blame you. I just don't feel as obliged to put him up at half the price that when I looked at him. A couple of other players kind of note sort of caught my eye. Davis Riley's coming back to a bit of form. Don't know necessarily whether he'll be great here, but we obviously know he went close at the Valspar. Has been playing well recently. That's at Bay Hill. That's obviously a good sign. Jonathan Vegas, I think, is still playing better than he's probably getting a bit of credit for. Other than that, I wasn't really that interested. I think there's a reason I kind of stuck to the top of the market. I do think you can get a long shot winner here, as we've seen over the years. But I think just surrounding yourself with multiple major winners, WGC winners, contenders that are maybe slowly creeping back to form. I still kind of view Jason Day, Ricky Fowler in the same sort of lens. I just think Jason Day is a bit further ahead. uh, And and that's why I've gone with him over Ricky, even about the price. But yeah, that's kind of how I viewed this week. Nothing too outrageous. I think if anyone's coming here for massive long shots, they might be disappointed. But, you know, Simpson's definitely big enough. Any final closing thoughts, Jace? I'll come to you first. No, I think Rory will win, but um, I'm not backing him. 
Why do you think he'll win? I think he'll win because I think he's approached his very best and I think at the very best he's the best player in the world. Hmm. And he goes around the track he loves. So I think he'll win. But I'm, I'm, I'm basically playing without him, to be honest. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Brad, any other extra thoughts? You didn't ask me at the beginning, so I thought I'd say yeah. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. Um, just about the top 40 market, we've had a little bit of success recently. Um, I think Hickok has been, from a statistical standpoint, has been really impressive recently. Like, tee to green uh, inside the top uh, 21. Last two starts, 29th at the Genesis, 14th at the Honda Classic. You can get him at a ridiculous number. I think it was 1,000 to 1, 500 to 1, 10 places, or you can... I think top 40 is probably the safest way to go. He's made the cut um, both uh, visits here and he's um, he finished 42nd last year after a, he finished 58th on his debut, so a little bit of improving form as well. And I think he's playing some great, his best golf right now. Um, we know he can compete with the best as well. Um, oh, he's, uh, well, I say that, he's only done it what, a few what, times. Was it the Travellers that he needed? It was the Travellers, he finished runner-up yeah. and then he finished fourth in the Houston Open as well. They're two quite big fields. Um, so he has mixed it with the, uh, we'll say the best, but a good amount of the best. So yeah, he's an interesting outsider. And I also think, um, I think top 40 is the way to go, honestly. And then Ben Martin's another one who's been playing ridiculously good golf recently. 13th at Pebble Beach, fifth at Honda Classic. Um, he's had a fourth here on his debut in 2015. Um, so again, I'm hoping to get some good value on him. Um, again, top 40. They're, they're two I'm looking at. And then maybe back up Webb Simpson as a top 20 play. Yep. And then that's about it, I think. Yep, I like that. Um, I'll give my kind of final picks for the old miscut misery, just in case anyone is interested. Uh, so I went with Hideki Matsuyama, Minmu Lee and Harris English um, in this. So I know Harris English obviously had a great result last week and he, he's had one good round here, but otherwise he's been absolutely dreadful. Um I don't know necessarily whether he's definitely back and he probably was a little bit in the mix last week compared to what he's been like recently. So wonder if that'll take it out of him. Mimuli, I could just see chucking himself in the water one too many times um, like he did last week and just getting too aggressive. And Hideki Matsuyama, I believe, is injured. So unless he's not injured and suddenly comes out like a bolt, I'm, I feel quite happy about that. That's 110 to 1, that, that little 6 oh, will be right. Johnston, Iwasaki and Tom Lewis. I'll tell you one or two players. Um, Matthias yep. Schwab is interesting. I just take green form. Again, top 40, top 60, yep. top 100, top 300. Right. And I'll watch sure. Harrison Endicott, who I'm not sure why he pulled out last week when I was on at... Uh, no, I'm not sure. Uh, uh, but... but <coughs> pulled out before what, or during the event? No, he pulled out before. Okay. He, he got put, you know, I, had, I had him and whoever it was, and obviously three ball runs, so he didn't care. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he... I, 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 He's naive, obviously. Um, hmm. But yeah, on this picture we saw him, you know, 12th at 14th at 10th at Bermuda, uh, 8th at his home PGA, 22nd at Peak Dye American Express, 26th uh, a Honda with a 65-68. Tita Green and approaches are outstanding for, for somebody so naive, really. Um, it'd be of interest for a top 40, but, you know, that's hmm. if you, it's only if you find a pan as you walk into Sainsbury's or something. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I'd advise you to do with that miscut thing as well. And then the one, the one closing four... Uh, that I tweeted out last night. Come to you, Brad, first. Has this event been devalued by the designated events? Mm, possibly. Possibly. I, but at the same time, um, it's still the flagship event, isn't it? Like, it's got the history 
of the players. Uh, I feel like it's still they still want to win this and get their name, you know, on the trophy. But I do think it's definitely it's had an effect. I do think it's had an effect. Uh, I, I just I just felt myself like I was researching it, um, you know, Monday, and I just thought like, am I as into this as I normally would be about the players? Like, normally, I'm like, I can't wait for the players, can't wait I'm for the match play, yeah. preparing you for the Masters, and all of a sudden I'm like, well, I've just seen this three times over, and actually, is TPC Sawgrass any better than Bay Hill Riviera it's Phoenix? Yeah, it's, exactly. The, the the concern, Jason, I'll come to you. Like the concern is that the whole allure of the Players' Championship was it's the best field of the year. It's better than some of the majors. It's the strongest field. It's the biggest prize, and it's completely unique in that aspect. And they kept waving this fifth major thing that that wound each other, everyone up anyway. Has it has the fact that we've seen John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, and Scotty Scheffler all tear up in four events already this season ruined this? Possibly, yeah. I, I think uh, I, I, I don't. Do you know what I hate is the fact that people will say it's the fifth major. Well, I know that gets run run around a lot, but <laughs> at the same time, it's it hasn't got the best players in it. You know, the, even the remaining champion from last last year. You know, and I know that's down to live and that, but it's just another it's just another big event. You know, that's mm-hmm. essentially what it is. It's another elevated event, but it's a bit more flashy. Think... It's history. And that's I think what it is. when the Thursday comes and it and you get the kind of players theming around the TV and you get the extra interviews and all that sort of stuff that you don't normally get at the others and and you see all the exciting whatever press conferences on a Wednesday where someone will say something stupid maybe I'll get more into it, Jace. But I just, I just I just in my head I just thought like normally this is the one and we've had the one four times over already. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, you've covered it. You, the players. Um... It was something you always look forward to, and it still will be because you've watched golf for a number of years. Yeah. Uh, and that's why the players has a reputation. It's hyped up as what it is. Um, and therefore, you look forward to it more than you do Genesis or, or Bay Hill or whatever. Um, although I prefer Bay Hill, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, or Pebble, when it's absolutely mental. Um, but it's the one you look forward to. I, not necessarily because of the field. It's just it's been hyped up as what it is. The 17th is a huge... Um, advertising um, slogan for them. Yeah. Um, it's played on that for quite a while. Other courses have started copying it. It's not to say there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Um, has it been devalued? Yeah, it, it's not been devalued for us because of its reputation in the past. No. It is, if it carries on like this, and 24, and 25, 26, 27, for the new generation, it will just be another very good tournament. See, so I, I think that's a better point that I didn't make and i didn't really think of is that maybe for us things will never change because we associate the players with what it is and 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 we love it but for the for a let's say the first someone's watched that full swing documentary on netflix they want to watch what is considered the flagship event for the first time they're going to watch the players and go didn't i just watch this three times over Mm -hmm. Um, no I, i see i don't think they will but i do think if they watch three years of golf it will just become Another another, another event. Yeah. The way it's going, um, but you can't forget Will Wilcox is holding one. So no. um, you know you can um, you can never take the iconic status away from the event. And some of the some of the, you know we spoke about Webb Simpson on there. We've talked about Sergio winning these sort of things, Fowler winning these sort. Of, you'll never take these kind of breakthrough events <coughs> for these players, the very best winning, the very best tournament, etc. You can't you can't eradicate history, but 
yeah, I just worry about it. I, I feel like they've shot themselves in the foot because they build a lot around this product, and then, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden yeah. they've done it three times already this season. That's how I feel. Brad's had it right. You know, like the defending champion and open championship holder is not mm-hmm. here. DJ's not here for obvious reasons. But, um, you know, and I, I could, you know, anyway, we're not going to go political because we need to stop. But yeah. I can see they're getting very strong out of what's happening. Well, uh, someone made a good point. They're like, if a Tyrrell Hatton misses the top 70 this year, and there's a very hard path to him getting to the designated event, it's yeah. going to be a lot harder to turn down the, the promise of you know, 14 events where the prize fund is 4 million and you get paid regardless. So, yeah, they've, they've made it about money now. <clears throat> they've, they've now stopped all this. We're talking about tradition, the players, yeah? They're, yeah. They're, 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 yeah they're, they're, they're not. That. They've given it all that toss, but it, it's now all about retaining players and how much money can you throw at them. But we won't get there because we've got to finish. No, we are. We're going to stop here. Um, just wanted to kind of put that as a as a little bow at the end there, just to rile a few people up and see how I can upset. No, it's not really why I do it. I do it because I, I genuinely do have an opinion on it and, and wanted to hear your opinion oh, on it. I do it because yeah. I wind people up. <laughs> well, here you go. We'll share, we'll share the blame then. Um, let's summarise our picks. Magical Kenya Open, Marcus Kinholt for me at 40-1. to 1. Angel Hidalgo at fifty-five to one. Alexander Knapp at eighty to one. Um, Brad, your picks in the in the Kenya Open, please. I've gone for Campillo thirty-three to one. Uh, Kawamura fifty to one, and Simon Forstrom at eighty to one. And Jason, your picks in Kenya for me. Uh, Adrian Aus, uh, Jorge Campillo, Marcus Kinholt, and Danny Van Tonda. Love it. Players Championship. I've gone with Patrick Cantlay, sixteen to one. Jason Day, twenty-eight to one. Keegan Bradley, I think is is he still fifty to one? He's forty or fifty to one. Happy with both. Um, and then Shane Lowry as well um, at fifty to one. Uh, Bradshaw picks for the players. I've also gone with Patrick Cantlay at sixteen to one. Uh, Jason Day, twenty-eight to one, and Webb Simpson, one hundred twenty-five to one. And Jason, finally for you with the Players Championship. Uh, Victor Hovland, what are you talking about, Willis? Um, <laughs> and then uh, Sahith Degala, 80, I think he is, uh, in a place with a couple or whatever. And Sam Burns, price based only. Yeah, love it. Gents, thank you as ever. Um, kept that nice and short, I think, for us. Um, two good events, hopefully, uh, regardless of what we said about both yeah. uh, at some point. Two good events to look forward to, two good betting heats, and hopefully between us, we've found the winner after going so close the last couple of weeks. So uh, thank you very much, average gents, and I shall catch up with you in a week.